Hey friends, thanks for joining me on the Not About Me podcast. I'm your host, Katie Taylor, and I'm so glad you're here. We just finished a series called Goodness of God, and man, it was really good. Uh, It even challenged me. And this time, I'm going to be challenging all of us in this series called Define the Relationship and how we view our relationship with God, and if we invite Him into all areas of our life to include relationships and friendships. So I pray it challenges you as it did me. Today's content is a little bit more mature for audience, uh, so if you got kids in the car, you may want to try and listen to this at a different time. Uh, not that there's any cursing, but there are some mature topics that we discuss. so just wanted to warn you guys. So let's get started on the Not About Me podcast. I want you to introduce yourself to our audience, whatever you're comfortable sharing or whatever, and just go ahead. Yep. All right. Well, I'm Chrissy Irvin, and uh, glad to have met Katie. I think God put her in my path for a reason. She's become a really good friend to me, and uh, I love being at Harvest. And um, I think God's really put something on my heart to start sharing my testimony with people so that he could set other people free like he did me. So Ooh, that's good. Yeah. You were telling me about this book that you were writing. Yeah. And I was like, oh, a book. I've always wanted to write a book, Mm -hmm. you know, specifically on like marriage and and doing the right thing. Of course, I didn't get it right the first time. Right. But uh, I knew that God could redeem that time of my life and and get it right. So I was like, oh, okay, what's your book about? And you just were very honest about your book. And so I'm going to give you the opportunity because you're getting ready to put it out. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your book. Okay. Well, most people, when I... When the Lord first put it on my heart to write a book, I was like, you know, Lord, I'm, I'm okay with that, but what do you want to call it? And I wanted to make sure that it was what he wanted. And he said, I want to redeem the phrase coming out. He said, I'll, I know it's been used for the enemy to say that people are coming out of the closet, mm. and but I want it to mean something different. I want it to right. mean I'm coming out of the kingdom of darkness. I'm coming out of that sexual perversion, and I want to live for God. And so... When he gave me that, it was the confirmation that he definitely wanted me to write a book. And most people would ask me if they knew I was writing the book. I would just tell them, you know, it's about identity. I didn't want to tell them it was about, you know, God delivered me from homosexuality and hey, he wants to deliver you too. I didn't say that because of the the way people view that. You know what I mean? There's a lot of judgment. There's a lot of judgment there and not enough people talk about it. Yeah. In the sense that God loves you, but he loves you enough to not leave you there. He wants to bring you out. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So uh, it would just be about identity. But I think God, as I'm getting closer to finishing the book, I think it's time to start letting people know what it's truly about so that they mm-hmm. can be prepared to uh, maybe know God in a in a bigger way and mm-hmm. know his love for them is stronger than to leave them where they're at. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, I think that's good. Um, we were talking before we turned on the microphones and stuff like that, that in women's mm-hmm. ministry, I don't know that I've ever heard a lot of women stand up and say, yes, yeah. this was my struggle. Mm-hmm. Whether it was homosexuality, pornography, um, I don't know, OnlyFans. Or, I, don't, I don't know. But, I mean, yeah, more people struggle with this than they talk about. Yeah. And so... And the fact that you were writing this book just really, you know, struck me. And I think that it's something that needs to be shared Mm -hmm. because I I know that there are more than just Chrissy. Right. That struggle with this. Yeah. And so I think it's, it's so important that we talk about it. So in your book, you talk about, um, Mm -hmm. specifically on the identity thing, 
how you came to that lifestyle, if you want to share a little bit about that. Yeah, how I, how I became that way or yeah, whatever. Yeah. yeah, so growing up, it was um, my parents divorced when I was at a young age. And around, I was, I was in church and going to Awanas at like age nine or 10, I was baptized. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was really intrigued by the Lord. I mean, I talk about it in the book about, you know, there was a library at the church that I went to Awanas to. And I would get movies where people would represent Jesus or play the part of Jesus because I was intrigued. I thought that was the only way I could get to see him mm -hmm. was that to see somebody play the part of him. Right. And so that may have been around the age nine or 10, something mm -hmm. like that. And then when my mom was dating this guy, um, I, I never knew that women dated women or men dated men. I didn't know any of that. Yeah, because so, you're a kid. Yeah. So <laughs> I was I was kind of clueless. And, and you got to think, I mean, I'm 34 now. So back when I was like 10 years old, that stuff wasn't really, I mean, it was in the world, obviously, but sure. it wasn't like mainstream people, like right. it is now. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, um, so my mom had a boyfriend and my brother came and told me, he was like, well, you know, you know, his sister is bisexual and i was like what is that and so when he told me that i started really thinking about the abuse my mom had been through what i've seen her getting beaten mm. by men yeah and so the enemy started to play on that and i started to come away from the lord and started thinking well if i date women these were just the thoughts that the enemy was bringing in my mind that eventually made its way to my heart because i was like yeah that makes sense it makes sense you yeah. actualized it right yeah. right i would never be beaten mm -hmm. by a man if i just chose women right. and so in doing that i partnered with the enemy and therefore partnered with a demon in my life that made it familiar mm -hmm. you know what i mean so yeah. it made it comfortable because right. i'd partnered with satan so do you think so long ago with your parents that you just rationalized well if I do this, there's no way I can get beaten. Right. At least I would be the same strength level probably that yeah. I could defend myself. Right. Right. And though, and I remember having thoughts like that when I was little, like I could take on a woman. Yeah. I can't take on a man. Sure. So yeah, those thoughts did go through my mind. I remember specifically thinking that when I was little. So what age do you think you were when you like started, I don't know, experimenting or whatever? Probably about the age of, um, I would say maybe... I think I was around the eighth, seventh or eighth grade mm -hmm. and then had my first real relationship in the ninth grade. And then that's when my mom found out. And how did that go? Oh, that did not go well. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine. Yeah. That was kind of awkward. And uh, my family did not accept it. You know what I mean? They loved yeah. me. I know that they love me. I know that they prayed for me, but they didn't accept it. And so therefore, since I didn't get their acceptance, I felt rejected. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it always made family functions a little awkward, maybe not for my family, but for me, because I knew that, uh, that that was out in the open, that that was in the like back of people's talking mind. About it. Yeah. 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 And, and they probably weren't, that was just the enemy trying to distance my, me more from my family and from the Lord, because my grandmother served the Lord. Mm. You know what I mean? She still serves the Lord. So I think it's did all you have just like the a little, tactics. A click of friends or something that that kind of all felt the same way that you did the same yeah. similar story, like they had witnessed that kind of behavior in the mm -hmm. home, and so that made them choose. Yeah, that and um, you know people had been molested, things like that. So That's I mean, a huge, it, huge yeah, thing. huge, yeah. So that, and then they didn't feel comfortable in their bodies, and so. Uh, somewhere along the way, there was a lie that's been told to every person who's in that lifestyle or was in that lifestyle mm -hmm. that made them want to be that way. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
or, or they gave into it. So, yeah. Do you think that, um, that caused you to do other things, um, because of the shame and, and oh, rejection yeah. of your family? Yeah. So, I mean, I started using drugs, alcohol. I mean, I was homeless and a heroin addict, just things to cover up the feeling of knowing I was in the wrong. And I knew that I was running away from God because it wasn't, you know, I was 20, maybe 24, 25 when I gave my life back to the Lord. Mm -hmm. But even after that, uh, a year or so after following the Lord, I fell back into the same lifestyle, doing mm -hmm. drugs, you yeah. know, chasing women and things like that, wanting that affection and that attention, that love. I thought that I couldn't get it from anywhere else. Yeah. You know what I mean? I had to grow in my relationship with the Lord. Yeah. That love that you're talking about that. Yeah. That's a, there's a verse in Proverbs. So in Proverbs 19, verse 22, it said, the first part of it says, what a person desires is unfailing love. Mm. And not even just in homosexuality. In, yeah. In, in male female relationships or friendships mm -hmm. that love that we seek that acceptance mm -hmm. you know for who we are we search for it in things in people specifically yeah. for this series relationships mm -hmm. and so i thought man that i got that wrong so young but my parents were the same like i my parents divorced when i was a teenager really and we went to church Mm -hmm. but we went to a private school. So we got a discount for going to their, to oh, their church. Right. Right. So, right. My parents, they struggle with finances so that, so that's what, you know, we were there for. Mm -hmm. And then I never saw my parents open a Bible mm. in the home and we prayed over our meals, but it was like, God is good. God is great. Right. Let us thank him for this plate. <laughs> we prayed it, that when I was little yeah, too. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, and so I had this whole idea of love just completely skewed. Yeah. Yeah. Know, in the same way that you're saying, but absolutely. Um, but yeah, it's but I think Satan tries to get everybody at a young age to, to not see that love, you know what I mean? To, to keep them from seeing the love of Christ through 100%. their family members. And I think it's so important to raise kids knowing the Lord. Sure. So important because then the enemy can't get to their minds. Mm -hmm. They already know the truth. They know who they are. They know their identity since they were little. So bringing them up is not going to be, they're not, Satan's not going to be able to get over on them as, as easy as he did with us. I think you know we still mean? have a choice because, I, I mean, I think, yeah. I, you know, like you said, you were raised that way. Mm -hmm. I was raised that way. I was raised in church and had been baptized and all that other stuff too. Right. I still had free will to walk away yeah. and make stupid decisions. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've made plenty. Yeah. Um, but just that, that keep longing and searching for. Yeah. And when it's late at night and it you're by yourself and mm -hmm. it's just you and your thoughts, you know, deep down you, you just want to be loved. Yeah. And so the only way to know love, and you, I think you talk about this a little bit in the book, is, you know, to know God and be in relationship with God. And First Sean, yes, First Sean 4 said, Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Mm -hmm. So the only way we're going to know love is to know who God is. Right. Absolutely. So anyway, the way that you were talking about numbing and the dealing with the shame and everything. So that took you down a path where you didn't really want to be on. Mm -hmm. And, right. you know, talk us through how you, how you got out of that situation. I gave, when I gave my life to the Lord and, and when I was around 24, 25, something like that, um, 
I fell head over heels. Like I, I mean, I was, I, I didn't know that that love existed and I knew I felt that love, you know what I mean? And then I, I met some people at the church I was going to who used to use drugs. Well, then they relapsed. I thought, well, I could help them out. You're going to rescue them. Yeah. I thought by going in there, praying for them, going to their homes, praying for them, that I could help them. You know, I could be their, not their savior, because Jesus is the only savior we have, but I I could be his hands and feet. Sure. You know what I mean? And that's yeah. what we're called to do. Mm-hmm. But the Lord kept telling me, you're staying too long over there. You don't need to be at their house. You're staying too long. You know what you I mean? Felt like God was telling you that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I knew he was. And yeah. my grandmother, I mean, God even used my grandmother to call me and tell me, hey, I don't think you should be just you're hanging out over there. Too long. Right. Yeah. Right. You go and pray and you leave and you don't go over there quite as often. So I was like, no, I got this. I was so confident in thinking that I, I was not going to fall. This. Yeah. yeah. I, I've overcome it, yeah, you know. Yeah. And it wasn't very long. Then I started smoking marijuana, you know, taking pills and stuff like that. And because I was rejected by this person, like I went and then I started feeling those feelings of just that lifestyle all over again. The enemy was tempting me and I took the bait. Yeah. And because I was rejected by this person, it led back into drugs. Mm. And so for maybe eight months, I went down that that long path and ended up on heroin, which I was never on before, but mm-hmm. it just got worse. This it time. escalated. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got in a bigger hole and ended up homeless. And, um, because and then you I found kicked out or because you like spent all your money on, well, because I was kicked out. Yeah. 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 And, um, living on the streets because I mean, every dime I had went to using the drugs. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I finally just said, you know what? I've, I've got to stop. I got to get clean. And I went into rehab and didn't complete the program. I stayed six weeks and then left to be in a relationship uh, with a female. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then I've kicked the drugs, but now I'm going to go back to this. That right. Because yeah, I know I can stay clean. Right. I'm thinking I can just stay clean and do this. And the Lord started really drawing me. Like, I think I got in that relationship towards the end of 2014. And in 2016, the Lord started to draw me and her towards him. So we were we you can't have both you can't have you can't, satan yeah, you can't and, serve two masters no yeah. no you can't and so with us drawing closer to god and him drawing closer to us our relationship started to to end mm-hmm. well there was one morning that i woke up and my eyes were not even open yet katie and i could feel my heartstrings were being pulled i thought i could just i would do anything for him yeah. you know what i mean and yeah. i knew that was time to start really breaking away from this relationship and and be with him for good. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And so I did. It took several months for me to walk that because I was, I was, I knew what was right, but I knew it was comfortable and I didn't know which one I was going to go with. Right. You know what I mean? It was yeah. a hard decision to make and it shouldn't be a hard decision because he's the, he's our Lord. Yeah. He's Jesus. He's God. He should be first choice. So did you experience like condemnation from people in the church or judgment, I guess, if you will? Not really, because when I was living that way, I didn't, I didn't go to church. I, I settled myself to say that I was not going to be a hypocrite. If I didn't want to be known as a hypocrite, you right. know what I mean? So yeah. I didn't want to live that way and try to serve God at the same time because I knew it was wrong. I knew what God's word said, but I still did what I wanted, what my will what was instead of, yeah, yeah. instead of his will. So, yeah. So, so coming out of that, you know, 
how has your life been different? Because, I mean, you're not in a relationship mm -hmm. with a female. Yeah. Are you in a relationship with, with a male? No. See, when I was, when I first tried to come out of that lifestyle, I went straight into a heterosexual relationship thinking that's what God wanted me to do. Like, if you're not supposed to be in this kind of relationship, then he definitely wants me in a heterosexual relationship. Worst decision I've ever made. <laughs> Worst decision I've ever made because that's yeah. not what he called me to do. Right. He called me to sit at his feet. He right. called me to be in a relationship with him, to learn from him, to grow in love with him and to just be obedient to his will. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think doing that is, is more important than jumping into a relationship with somebody. So I'm waiting on him to send me the right, the right man. That's good. Yeah. <clears throat> it's not like you um, don't desire that. Right. To, for, you know, uh, to have a helpmate, mm -hmm. you know, um, to do ministry and stuff with. Right. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But I'm sure there's still times where you feel lonely or, yeah. you know, or missing out. Mm -hmm. oh, man, FOMO is real. The fear of missing out is so real. <laughs> right. I felt that way after being divorced. I was like, oh, yeah, you know. I do long to get married. Like that's something I just, I keep having to sacrifice to the Lord over and over again. I'm like, God, you know, my heart, you know, that I want to get married. You know that I want kids. And sometimes it's a fight within me to lay it down at the altar all over again until he sends the right man for me. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I do desire to get married, but I want it to be in his timing, mm. you know, cause only he knows the right person for me. I'm going to make the wrong decision if I go searching. Right. But he'll put him in my path. Right. And the nights that I feel lonely and most of the time it's it's at night. And I'll just ask the Lord, Lord, you're my comforter. Wrap your arms around me. Let me feel your embrace. There was mm -hmm. a if you don't mind me sharing this, there was a dream that I had one night where I'd been asking the Lord. This was a couple of years ago. I'd been asking God, like, I would just want to feel your touch. I want to know what that feels like. And I wrote it in the book, too. I want to know what's really good too. Yeah. And I really I read the book. It's so good. <laughs> and uh, I, I asked him, I said, God, I just, I want to feel your touch. And I went to sleep that one night and the father came to me and this, he had white hair. I mean, mm. I can see the white hair and like this olive brown type skin tone. Mm -hmm. And as he was coming up to me, he shrunk down to my size. He was so big, but he shrunk down mm. and he grabbed me like a father would a daughter and wanted to dance with me. Oh wow! And whenever he did that, he turned his cheek towards my cheek and I could feel like if God had skin, mm -hmm. the skin was so soft. Wow. Like I will never forget the touch. And so whenever I feel lonely or I feel like, God, I need you. Mm -hmm. He does that for me. You know what I mean? And he'll, he'll hold me. I'm in his embrace. Mm -hmm. I'm his beloved. Right. You're his beloved. Mm -hmm. And I think he wants us to know that, he wants to touch us, mm -hmm. you know, cause you can't have a relationship without some sort of touch. I can't, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm, that's just not my love language. You right, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I yeah. Can't, yeah. That level of intimacy mm -hmm. or whatever. So it is cool that the Lord gave you that dream. Yeah. I fully believe in dreams. Now, I don't yeah, think every single dream is like from the Lord, but if different figures in the Bible had dreams, right. Joseph got four dreams mm -hmm. in the first few chapters of Matthew. Right. So I don't think it's abnormal for the Lord to come even to us. So we just probably just don't talk about it, especially in our culture. Yeah. So God gave me many dreams before I even relapsed. He was showing me, you're going to go back. Like there was just things he was warning me about. If you make this decision, this is what's going to happen. And I would have dreams like that when I was in rehab, he would just tell mm. me. Yeah. 
And did I obey? No. No. I still went through with it. He let you do it. Yeah, he let me do it. He gives us free will. Yeah. But he welcomed me with open arms. And it's not like I abused his grace. You know what I mean? I just did not have a great understanding of his love for me mm-hmm. then. You yeah. know what I mean? I didn't know that he could be my all in all like I believe now. You know so what, what I mean? has God shown you about identity? And I love the fact that the book centers on identity because mm-hmm. I think it's a key way that the enemy attacks us. Yeah, let me bring up that chapter if you don't mind. Yeah, you're good. Okay. So, like, I've, I've said this in our small group before, too, like, we carry uh, identity cards, right? You have a driver's license, yeah. you have a passport. I even put that in my book after you and I discussed it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I did, I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> because, you know, we do, you know, if somebody asks you, you can say, oh, I belong in this state, mm-hmm. at this address, or I belong to this country, or wherever. But we don't walk around with one as mm-hmm. believers. Yeah. So, anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, this is very important because this actually happened to me. So in order to write the identity chapter, I needed to know more about my own personal identity in the Lord. So I began praying like, Lord, help me to know my identity in you. And um, there was one day I was driving. This is actually two things. One day I was driving and I said, God, who do you say that I am? Because that should be all that matters, not what other people say about me, because I've had some people say some things. And I said, Lord, I want to know what you say about me. He said, my beloved. And when he said that, I was like, oh, I'm going to hang on to that. (laughs) I'm going to hang on to that. So I'm going to read a little bit of this part from the chapter. It says, identity is important to God. He desires for us to know who we are. I laid in bed one night and I heard the Lord ask me, do you know what's important to me? I immediately, immediately responded with, no, Lord, what is important to you? He proceeded to tell me that us knowing our identity is important to him. It's important to know who we are and whose we are. Not just who we are, but whose we are. Who do we belong to? Mm. We belong to either Jesus Christ or we belong to Satan. Everyone is serving one or the other. You may, you may not be consciously aware of it, but in the spiritual realm, we belong to one of them. Mm. This goes back to the scriptures mentioned in the previous chapters about serving God and choosing who you will serve. Yep. Um, and I talk a little bit about in the book um, about how Satan or the serpent gets Adam and Eve to question their identity. They were, they were whole and complete in the garden. Yeah. Yeah. They oh, were, yeah. Co- they were his companions. Listen, we were just reading that for the, I don't know if you read it along with the, with the church reading right now, but no, I'm doing a chronological oh, reading. <laughs> it's like, okay. So you're talking about that. And I use this in the, one of the first episodes for the podcast, mm-hmm. talking about tools of the enemy mm-hmm. and talking about deception and, and Adam and Eve. But it's like, God showed me more when I read it wow. with the church this time. So yeah, the first part in the first verse, did God really say? Yes. That's this a is big the one. seed of doubt that starts in the Bible mm-hmm. right here. Yeah. This is the first seed in its doubt. Wow. And then the second seed is down a little bit further in verse four and five. And it's the seed of deception mm. because he was like, no, you're not going to die. Right. God just doesn't want you to be like him. Yeah. So there's deception. And then, uh, when the woman saw that it was good, this is verse six, she took it and ate it. The seed of covet, covetousness. covetousness. Wow. So God just got done showing you that? Yeah. That's phenomenal. That's good. And so. That's really good. Okay. So then further down, right? So the same story of Adam and Eve. They hid, right? They mm-hmm. hide from God because yeah. they're ashamed now that their eyes are open to their nakedness. Right. right? So in verse eight, when it says, and they hid, mm-hmm. that's the seed of shame. Mm. And then 
when God's calling for Adam and Eve, Adam answers and he said, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid. So it's the seed of fear. Mm. And then, then in verse 12, when Adam starts blaming the woman, it's the seed of blame. Mm. So there's six seeds. You know what I'm saying right there? Wow. In that first, but that's the way that the enemy that's attacked awesome. and just that, mm -hmm. just that little bit about their identity and who they were. Yeah. They, they had, they could walk around in the garden and talk to God. Yeah. They're walking. They were his, the, yeah. his companions. So how much more does Satan want to attack us and yeah. our identity and know who we are? Yeah. Cause if we don't know our identity, then we don't know. Right. There's so much more that you can be deceived on when you, like you said, the first one wasn't the first one identity. Yeah. It's seed of doubt. Oh, the seed of doubt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You, then you start to question God's goodness. Mm -hmm. You start to question whether God's holding out on you. You know, that's mm -hmm. not the case. Right. If anything, he wants us to have everything. Yeah. But it's our, are we willing? Yeah. You know what I mean? Man, that's so good. I'm so glad God showed you that. That's that a really seed good. for me. So yeah. thank you. Yeah. Oh, there was something God did give me about um, in Matthew chapter four. And I wrote this in the book. When Satan tells them, if you really are the son of God, then turn these stones into bread. Mm. It wasn't because he wanted to see Jesus perform a sign. He wanted Jesus to question the father. So in the book I wrote, the father just told him that he was his beloved son in chapter three of Matthew. Mm. Now suddenly Satan wanted to get Jesus to question his identity as a son, just like he did with Adam and Eve in the garden. Oh, that's so good. he was trying to get him to question his identity and redo it all over again. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it just didn't work because right. Jesus responded with the word of God. Mm -hmm. He responded with what his father had already said. So what is your encouragement, I guess, then for people who are struggling with, you know, homosexuality, you know, they also have faith. You had faith at that time. Yeah. And you could have easily just rationalized certain parts of the Bible yeah. to make it fit what you wanted to live. Right. And, but I would not feel right about it. Yeah. So what yeah. are some steps for like people that may be in the same, because there's more than just Chrissy that has gone through this. Yeah. So what are, what are some of the things that you feel are like? I key? would say, I would say first and foremost, get honest with God. Just go before him and be honest with him. Like, Lord, I'm struggling with these desires. I'm struggling. I want to serve you. I want to do the right thing, but you're going to have to deliver me from this. And then you start repenting. You mm -hmm. repent of that sin. You repent of being in that lifestyle. And I, and God will give you the grace to leave it and leave it alone completely. He will. He'll do it because he loves you and he wants a relationship with you. So I think it's just important, first and foremost, go to God. Mm -hmm. Tell him you're sorry. I have a prayer if you want me to read it. Like yeah, I have it in the book. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I really like this prayer because I felt like it was led by the Lord. So yeah, this I, for people that are ready. Yeah, you know, and and they realize their need for God and and the sin that they're in is not something they want to be in anymore. Because I mean, this is gonna, t you know, the Bible talks about this sin takes you to hell. There's no, mm. you can't escape hell if you're gonna die in that sin. Yeah, you'll you'll be tormented all your life, and that's not something I wanted. I wanted to know my identity. I wanted to know the love of God, even if that meant being single for the rest of my life. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So this prayer that I have, I said, dear father, I ask you, I want the listener to, if this is you, show yeah, if this, this is you, yeah, yeah please re say this prayer. Um, dear father, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I repent and turn away from my sins. I sever all ties with the spirit of homosexuality and sexual perversion. I renounce the lies I have believed about myself and others. 
I choose to close the doors to the enemy and ask for your help in doing so. I desire to know you, Father, Jesus, and Holy Spirit. I long to know you, Father, as the one who loves me more than anyone else. Please, Lord, come into my heart and make it your own. I surrender to you and your will. Wash me clean and make me whiter than snow. I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and now Lord over my life. He was buried and raised to life three days later. I ask you, Father, to fill me with your Holy Spirit. I thank you, Jesus, for coming into my life and making me a new person, the person I was always created to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, that's good. What about some things to encourage, you know, families that maybe have some family members, like you said, but your grandma didn't give up praying for you? Yeah, they didn't. I mean, they didn't accept. And I think that's key that family members who have people who have family members stuck in that lifestyle. I think it's important that you pray for those members who are stuck in that lifestyle of sexual perversion or homosexuality, transgender, just really struggling with their identity. I think it's important that you pray for them, but it's okay to not agree with it. Mm. It's okay to not want to entertain that. Right. But you still should love them, pray for them because even after, and I believe this, I think even after a family member passes away, those prayers still remain on that person's life. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. God is still going to honor those prayers even after the person who's been praying is gone. Yeah. So eventually this person is going to encounter Christ. So don't give up on them. Keep praying for them. Keep showing them the love of God. But it's okay to not be okay with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Is there anything you think that we didn't cover that we should cover? Once the book is published, people will be able to read it. I can't wait. I can't Me neither. I, I wanted to see God set people free. I mean, it's, I thought I would never be free, Katie. Like, I didn't think that that was a possibility because I was so comfortable. You know what I mean? You but there's you freedom. You in it when you had that, like, that tug on your heart. Yeah. I was in a relationship. I was yeah. actually in a relationship living with this woman when he'd come after me. I, I just love that your, your vulnerability in this, and I love what God's going to do through this because again i believe that as women we just don't talk about these things and we should right um and i know why we don't talk about them because there's so much shame associated with it you know it's like the pastor can get up there and talk about the men's struggles of pornography and and everything else we mentioned but you know women just are not as apt to to be free enough to talk about it but um i love that you've been honest and open and sharing and you've written a book about it because you're you know following what god has called you to do Mm -hmm. i think it should be okay for women to say i'm not okay absolutely you know what i mean not to put like some kind of feminist twist on anything because we all have sins but i think women should say okay i have struggled with this Mm -hmm. or i am struggling with it and god i need your help to come out of it and to live by your word and your will by your spirit to be led by your holy spirit you know what i mean yeah so i think women should feel more comfortable Mm -hmm. in expressing or saying i need help yeah you know what i mean yeah so more i guess the the purpose of you know even this podcast is to help spur on others you know like to love love god love other people right you know and so that means loving people that are stuck yeah where you were Mm -hmm. you know or struggling with with whatever the sin is, mm-hmm. you know, and not just be quick to pass judgment or condemnation on them. Just and be, yeah, yeah, and I agree with that. But also, you and I were talking before we did the podcast about that fine line. Mm-hmm. You can love people even while they're in that lifestyle, but there's a certain line that you don't cross that will first off either lead you back down that same path again, sure, or 
hurt your witness. Yeah. You know what I mean? That you, you don't want it to look like you agree with this person, but you still love them. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You're praying for them to come to Christ fully mm -hmm. and be completely whole, whole and healed, but you don't want to do it at the risk of losing your identity again. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's so important Yeah. that we stay at the feet of Jesus, that we love him, that we do his will. And we always rely on the Holy spirit. We live by the spirit. Yeah, that's yeah. something I keep at my, at the forefront of my mind because I don't want to go back. Yeah. So I constantly have that fear of the Lord. Like, okay, there's a certain, if there's a line of sin. Yeah. I'm going to be a, a thousand yards away from it. Cause I don't want to ever be that <laughs> right. close to it. That yeah. I'm going to have that, that way again. Right. Yeah. I'm going to have that guard up a little yeah. bit. So I agree. Yeah. So, um, we always close the episode with trying to get our guests to say, it's not about me. So however you want to do that. <laughs> well, it's definitely not about me, but it's about Jesus. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I just want to say thank you, Chrissy, for coming on and being vulnerable to talk about some really hard things. I can't wait for your book to be published and for others to get to see how much God has worked in your life. I love how she talked about the importance of knowing her identity uh, and how determined she is to help others know their identity. Our scripture from today will be posted in the show notes as always. And if you like today's episode, like it, comment on it, share it with a friend. You guys know what to do. You can find us on Instagram or you can shoot us an email to notaboutmepodcast at gmail.com because we would love to hear how God is moving in your life. Well, join us next time here as we continue on with this series of Define the Relationship right here on the Not About Me podcast. <laughs>